Hi, this is Sam Orgill from Living and Working Abroad. Welcome to this month's uh, webinar uh, with residency options for EU Brexit for expats. What we're going to do is look at what's going on at the moment and try and sort out from the noise what the real issues are and what's relevant and what plans expats can be making today. There's 4 million expats affected by Brexit, 3 million EU expats living in the UK, 1 million British expats, UK expats living in, in Europe. How are they going to be affected by the EU? Well, let, uh, by EU Brexit. Let's have a look, shall we? This is our little acronym today. And EU stands for common, common rules. The EU is all about a common set of rules. It's a transnational organisation. It's not a country, it's not a sovereign state, it has got a currency that is transnational as well and it's based around a common set of rules which are designed to protect the four freedoms, trade, services, capital and people. Um, but remember, the EU is still subject to World Trade Organization rules itself as an organisation. It merely negotiates on behalf of its member states. It's also subject to other world treaties like the OECD um, and human rights organisation. So the EU is a rule maker for the EU uh, to create a common trading area within the EU uh, with free movement of trade services, capital and people within the EU, the common set of rules, but not outside. Outside, the EU looks very expensive. Um, and the, EU Commission is not an elected government, it, it, it's uh, an organisation that's uh, uh, adopted a rule obsession when it comes to making agreements with different countries and making a quick agreement with the UK has been very difficult for it. It's very difficult for it to make pragmatic solutions to meet the needs, the political needs of the UK, the big business around Europe and the vested interests in the different nation states. So how does that affect the B in Brexit? Bilateral. Now, let's understand what this term means. Bilateral is where two sovereign countries have an agreement. It could be agreement for tax, for health, for trade, for customs, for healthcare for visas, for migration. Does that sound familiar? All the issues that the EU is talking about uh, are also covered under bilateral treaties. Now, if you look at what Donald Trump is doing with the USA, the USA is very much focused on, uh, for its own reasons, and own culture, and own government, of having bilateral treaties with individual organisations. So it's opted out of grand North American Pacific uh, trading arrangements uh, to opt for individual uh, bilateral agreements. If you look at the common reporting standards which have been introduced for sharing financial information, so the rents you earn, the bank interest you make, the pensions you're paid, the earnings you make, is all shared between uh, tax authorities and between financial institutions or tax um, uh, employers, rental agents and pension payers and your home country. This is why they want your tax number. And it's a common set of rules that applies to every country 
that signs up to common reporting standards, which is most countries around the world. The one main country that doesn't sign up to common reporting standards is the USA. They use their own system, FATA, which is the basis of common reporting standards. It's almost identical, otherwise it wouldn't be acceptable to the USA. So, but the big difference is it's a bilateral treaty. So country by country has to agree FATA rules with the USA, be that Cyprus, Spain, France, Germany, and the UK, or China, or North Korea, whoever the negotiation, political trade, or financial, uh, or military is uh, with the USA. So these bilateral treaties can work. Before the EU, the UK had bilateral social, welfare, tax, health and trade agreements, um, and customs agreements with a whole host of countries within the EU and outside the EU. By joining the EU, a member state cedes those negotiating powers to the common rules of the EU. So how does this affect reciprocal agreements? Well, once we learn how to spell it and then say it, we look at reciprocal treaties within the EU essentially as being tax treaties because one area that the EU doesn't cover is, uh, is finance. Ostensibly, each EU 27 country has control of its own taxes, its own finances, its own rules. Now there's a question mark there when you start looking at things like uh, the, the transnational euro and you look at VAT, which is an EU tax, which is, is, is uh, applied in all the, under a set, common set of rules, but it's applied individually in each country. So, uh, you know, the EU is trying to act a bit like a, a government in that respect, but it's not. Um, and that there is a common social and health arrangement within the EU, uh, but that's, that's the one, that's the one agreement that the EU negotiates with another country. Uh, the difference is between a bilateral and a reciprocal agreement for social and healthcare is that Japan can do such a, a free trade area with the EU and by doing one reciprocal agreement, one reciprocal treaty between the EU and Japan, Japan gets access to the whole of the 27 countries in the EU. Um, so these do work, and they work for customs, they work for trade, they work for tax, they work for healthcare, medical. So Cyprus and the UK have had a social and medical uh, uh, reciprocal agreement for uh, nearly 50 years before the EU, and that will continue afterwards. It may be amended, uh, but we need to have a look at those rules. and. Um, it shows also, we talked about the EU uh, being a, a rules-obsessed uh, commission uh, to protect the four freedoms, and yet, as I've indicated already, they, they can be forced into a pragmatic situation where they create an EU um, identity to allow countries like Canada, Japan, Ukraine, Switzerland and Norway into the EU free trade zone um, using the EU set of rules and customs agreements 
but each of those agreements is slightly different um, and, and, and of a slightly different nature. It's pragmatic. It allows a solution which suits Canada, which suits Japan, which suits Switzerland, which suits, suits Norway. Norway is most closely aligned, Switzerland not so much. Ukraine, you know, that caused its own particular ructions with the, the Russians. You know, so that the, the EU can be pragmatic. The question is, uh, for Brexit, is whether the EU Commission can be pragmatic enough to get an acceptable agreement to the EU 27, Ireland, Cyprus, Gibraltar, Spain and the UK Parliament and governments uh, within the time frame. They need to get the, the agreement. Um, they hope to do it by October. The UK have now said, well, we're okay if we don't make an agreement till January, putting the pressure on the EU. Uh, there might be a special summit just for Brexit, Brexit in November, but a lot, of, a lot of things have got to happen before then. So how is all this big business and big politics and, and, and politicians, how is all that going to affect uh, EU expats uh, in the next year? Because we've only got nine months, got less than nine months to Brexit now. The EU have passed three laws into, into place. Um, so the UK passed three laws into place so they can go ahead with Brexit now, thank you very much. Um, and if no deal is done, um, then Brexit will go ahead. An uh, interesting thing to bear in mind is that when I talk about uh, changes you can do before Brexit and after Brexit, there is a transitional agreement planned within the Withdrawal Treaty. Um, and the withdrawal treaty is subject to having a suitable customs union. At the moment, the customs union, i.e. the taxes imposed by governments um, on, on trade growing over borders, um, unless that's agreed um, and the UK leaves without a customs agreement, then uh, th there would be no transition period the transition period between March uh, 2019 and December 2020 won't exist if there's no withdrawal treaty. Um, and, and so the, the rules of route of uh, the EU for EU citizens wanted to live and work in the UK and UK expats wanted to live and work in Europe may well apply directly from the 29th of March. Depending upon your view, if um, you know Brexit will go ahead with or without a withdrawal treaty. So let's have a look how it's going to affect expats. First of all, you might have noticed I've gone out of sequence. We're supposed to be doing EU Brexit. And I've, I've jumped to T now and I've missed off X. So I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I didn't need to tell you that, but I have. Travel, holidays. I want to go to my holiday home. I want to go to uh, my beach, my favorite beach. I want to uh, be able to travel around Europe freely. Well, people move around the world without, uh, without being in the EU, without having the four freedoms. 
So we see Chinese, we see Russians, we see Americans, we see uh, people from Africa in Europe and, and uh, Europeans travel to Asia, China, Russia, Africa and, and the USA. So travel is not going to stop because of the EU. However, there are different rules. Now there is a such a thing called the World Trade Organization and they, and they uh, produces mobility index which indicates how uh, much freedom of movement uh, citizens of a particular country have. The top rating that they give any country at the moment is 160, and 160 rating out of 230. And this indicates how free you are to move to another country without a heavy burden of getting an entry or exit visa. Uh, 160 rating is given to countries like UK, Germany, Denmark. Um, uh, but in fact, most EU countries have got a mobility index over 150, over 155. So th there's a large degree of mobility. There's reciprocal bilateral treaties for uh, travel, for holidays, for short business trips, um, for family visits um, around the world that will allow people to keep trading. All this nonsense about you won't be able to fly over Ireland or these airlines won't be able to land or the airports won't work is complete nonsense. It just means there'll be different rules and they'll change, but it doesn't mean that the world will stop. Uh, to put it into context, when most of the EU has got a mobility index over 155, China, the mobility index for the Chinese is 46. Okay, so there's plenty of Chinese living and working and investing abroad. So if they can do it, um, uh, expats can. My ex on Brexit um, was to do with immigration and I, we talked earlier about the EU being pragmatic enough to make free trade agreements um, that honour uh, a pragmatic version of their four freedoms of movement of people, capital, labour and services um, with countries like Canada, Switzerland, Ukraine, uh, Norway and Japan. Um, but the other interesting political factor that's going on at the moment is that there is uh, an increasing implementation of internal borders within the EU. Uh, Germany is the latest country to introduce border and immigration controls and restrictions, concerned about the influx of non-EU citizens into the EU um, to um, people that are, are, are fleeing poverty or conflict around the world. Uh, getting into southern Europe and, and trying to migrate to the richer northern European countries. And um, countries like Austria, Hungary and Germany uh, are, are putting up anti-immigration uh, controls within supposedly the free Schengen area agreement of the EU. Uh, so the, the tran one of the key uh, identities, the key uh, jewels in the crown of the EU, the free movement of people and the Schengen Agreement is under severe threat by internal immigration controls being put within the EU. It won't matter that much, it will matter to some people but it depends where you come from and what your paperwork is like. So if you have got your residency, your, your ID, your passport and, and you're, you're an EU 
expat moving around the EU, it, it will be no it will be no more complicated than a toll road. Um, you know, on a, going through a, a toll on a, on a, a motorway or a bridge, um, and having to have a, a quick check about about your your system. You get checked when you're going out of a, a, an airport um, anyway uh, within the EU. You're going to be checked afterwards. The same within the e, uh, USA. You still get your your checks uh, as you're flying uh, between states there. So. Um, it, 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 it's immigration is an issue within the EU, and it can change the balance of pressure about what the EU is looking to get, and whether it will bring out a pragmatic solution to allow a withdrawal treaty to be agreed uh, before uh, the EU, uh, the UK Brexit date. And so, how does that affect migration? Um, if the UK have made it very clear in their white paper, they've said this is what the rules will be for EU expats living and working in the UK. If you're living in the UK by the 29th of March, um, all you have to do is have a job and your family can live with you or you can live off your savings or your investments and, and you've got no other qualification burden. As long as you're not dependent on the state, as long as you're not a criminal or convicted of any crimes, after five years of living in the UK, you'll be able to uh, apply for settled status to live there uh, permanently for the rest of your life. Uh, if your family are with you, even if they're not working, they can stay with you as well. So this is something that the, the, the UK have already uh, said that they will do. Uh, countries like Cyprus are offering UK expats permanent residency, which is a 10-year um, entry and exit visa in effect. So it's something quite similar. So they're jumping the gun and saying to EU residents now, get a 10-year residency permit for free movement between the UK and Cyprus for those 10 years. Ideal for people with a holiday home or family or business interest in, in Cyprus or the UK uh, that don't want to be subject to any future uh, visa restrictions or, or tariffs. Um, with, both, with any country, if you're there long enough, that there's often an opportunity to apply for citizenship or, or better still, dual citizenship. And, and this is possible in the UK and it's possible in, in Cyprus. But in those countries, the, the, the proof and the, and the tests are much higher. You need more capital, you need higher income and uh, maybe uh, more qualifications. So for non-EU citizens at the moment who want to go live and work in the UK, you have to have a high level of qualifications such as a PhD or be on a specific workers list and skill list that they want within, within the UK um, and have a job before you go to the country. And you have to pay 200 pounds per person per year in addition to your taxes uh, for the medical to, for the state health service in the UK and your employer has to pay an extra thousand pounds tax in addition to all his other employer taxes to employ you as a non-EU citizen. So the, the bar is much higher for a non-EU citizen for the British to employ them. Whereas if, if uh, an EU citizen went to the UK now as an expat then they can 
get any job that they want and they can live and work there for the rest of their life. And you imagine a similar sort of arrangement will happen in, in the UK, in, in, in Europe for, for UK expats, um, dependent in part upon bilateral treaties and, and agreements. Um, and, and, and what, how those uh, are affected by any pragmatic EU approach or the, the bilateral agreements that will emerge or re-emerge after Brexit. So if we start wrapping this up now, um, the big issue, all the noise with Brexit is about the customs union. It's about big business and vested interests and, and, and politicians. Um, and it could be that at the moment that the UK proceed um, to be, not be able to negotiate a withdrawal treaty that works for the EU, that's acceptable to the UK. And it may be that that withdrawal treaty needs to be negotiated with the UK outside the EU. Well, that's going to happen in nine, nine months anyway. Um, but with bilateral uh, agreements, the UK can still trade, People can still move, they can still have holidays and still visit. It's just it will be different rules. The four freedoms of the EU uh, for people um, will, um, the mobility index of, of EU citizens is high. So they'll still have a lot of freedom to move without too much restriction. Uh, there's no exchange controls in Europe or, or America um, there's exchange controls in some countries, uh, like China, um, but you can freely move your money around the world uh, as it stands. With services, there'll be some big changes because anybody operating a service would have to register in each EU country. They wouldn't be able to operate from one country and provide their services in each of those countries. Uh, but for, uh, to set up a trade in, a, in another country, it will mean that, again, you can't operate from one EU company. You would have to have a registered business in each country in which you wanted to operate. Um, all, but on Brexit Day, all EU 27 countries and the EU and the UK will have exactly the same rules in place. The same trade rules, the same services rules, the same legislation and the same customs uh, union. Now, whether there's a practical agreement between the two of how to move forward and have a transition period to formalise um, the, the future separate relationships is a mute point at the moment. Um, but we will still be able to enjoy holidays, enjoy a holiday home, work as an expat abroad in the UK or in the EU, live as an expat um, and invest abroad. The reciprocal arrangements for tax, trade, customs and visas will still work. Uh, but all the new rules will be based upon the existing rules. And uh, we can all wait for the EU 27, for the EU Commission to make one big master agreement with the UK. Or you can plan ahead by looking at what individual countries uh, require now of third party nationals what the UK requires third-party nationals and what the opportunity is now by relocating and having your residency before Brexit uh, in the country that you want to live in then you can establish a lifetime living and working abroad as an expat. Uh, contact us at Partnership if you want any more information. Uh, leave your comments below 
uh, if you uh, and we'll we'll get back and answer those in the next uh, few hours and days. And also, we produced a guide on the effect of the EU Brexit on expats, overseas property, business, uh, and pensions, which you can get by get, going to our website at projectpartnership.com, and you're able to find on the front page there uh, a link to that to be able to get your copy of, of the guide. Any questions come back to us and if you like this let us know and, and share it with your friends and, and other expats living and working abroad. Thank you very much.